Yeah, welcome to Case in Corner, episode 35. We were accidentally on mute the first time, so this is take two. Take two, which is awesome. You know, I don't want to be muted. No, no, not at all. Not at all. You're sipping some coffee. We just accidentally hit the mute button, so we're back now. We are back and live. So It's early. We may not quite be awake yet, apparently. <laughs> well, you mentioned coffee, Brooks, and I, uh, I tell you, I always enjoy coffee in the morning, but I don't know, maybe it's those mornings where you have the right, perfect connection of... For me, it's half and half and a little mm-hmm. bit of Splenda, and I we, I just nailed it this morning. You just hit you that know? perfect ratio. I mean, it's just like it's not like I just want to sip this. I just want to dive into just it. Just chug you know? it. <laughs> just take a big swig right there for the people. It is so good. <laughs> so yeah. we can jump right into it. Um, this past week, uh, what you meant to say, kind of talking a little bit about marriage and the first marriage uh, with Adam and Eve. Well, you know, Brooks, what an interesting morning. Uh, you know, it was a morning when the rain was coming down and the <laughs> rain started coming into the sanctuary. Were you battling the elements? It, it literally, literally battling the in- elements inside. And then when that one light starts uh, popping and smoking uh, <laughs> because water is getting into it, uh, my mic had some issues. So all that to say, it's interesting to preach and to look out and know that people are distracted, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, there's always times when you preach and people fall asleep or something like that. And you want to say, wake up, this is good stuff, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, Sunday, I love Genesis 2 and really the story that it's telling. And even when God declares in his good to creation that there's one thing not good and it's man is alone. And it's not good that man is alone, which is it's kind of humbling if you think about it, Brooks, because man at that point had a relationship with with god that was unbroken by sin he was ruling over creation i mean he's in paradise how can that not be good mm-hmm. well we can't we can't on our own complete what god has asked us to do and that's to be fruitful and multiply and full, fill the earth with his with his glory and that's just not for married folks it's for individual uh, it's for single folks as well it's like hey we were created to be connected to god and one another and so what isn't good and how god teaches adam it's not good i love this he's how does he he knows it but he doesn't say hey adam it's not good he he brings him the animals to name and mm-hmm. so two important things are happening there i mean adam is showing his dominion over creation that god had given him hey i want you to rule for me over all this and so name them like mm-hmm. your name brooks bowen uh <laughs> because of your parents they, they they had that privilege of naming you um you know, here he is naming the animals, but in that reality, he realizes, oh, shoot, there's no one suitable for me. There's no one fit for me. And so God makes him a helpmate. He makes him one who's suitable from his own substance. And then he makes the two one. And it's just, it's such such a cool story in and of itself. And it's so beautiful. And even some of the words that uh, God will say, uh, even as early in Genesis 2, is like, hey, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother uh, and cleave to his wife. And it's interesting at that point in the story, there is no other father and mother, you know, <laughs> um, and the two shall become one. And I always was intrigued. Why Why does the man leave? Why not the bride leave? It seems more fitting that the, the bride leaves. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, But it's a reflection that that Jesus is going to be the ultimate bridegroom and that he will leave his father and he will come and he will seek after his bride mm-hmm. and he will cleave to us. He will never let us go. And the two will become one. He is our head. We are the body. And if we could see the beautiful image of marriage, um, that that's the story that God is going to unfold throughout scripture. When he talks about us, he's going to use the language of 
marriage and that love language and it's going to be uh, a wedding feast at the end and uh, the Bible begins with a wedding and ends with a wedding feast and he calls us his bride and it, it, it shines a different context on why marriage is so important mm -hmm. uh, but this is the most important of all human relationships because it reflects our heavenly relationship with our father mm -hmm. and um, you know there's a lot in our society today that is questioning marriage and who should be married to whom and and uh, you know <laughs> a lot of people have different views why even have marriage why not just you know live together but when you see it through the context of scripture and what the original purpose was so that we can accomplish God's plan of being fruitful for his glory, fill the earth uh, with his image, um, and we can uh, reflect his love story. It means a whole lot more. Yeah, so. definitely. And I think it was, uh, uh, I like how he had Adam naming of uh, naming all the animals, having dominion over them. And you think of as a man, like that's your perfect scenario. You're ruler overall, you're naming <laughs> them and you're just out in nature. But um, God recognized that that wasn't the final story and that he needed a companion and um, created marriage in that way. So I thought that was a really cool um, way to show that. I, I thought so too. And you know, when God says, I'm going to make a, 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 a one who is fit, suitable, and it, the word is often translated helpmate. And, you know, helpmate in our society, man, it sounds like uh, somebody who's dominated over, you know, it mm -hmm. doesn't sound good. But the Hebrew word is ezer, and God himself is referred to as an ezer. He's our Ebenezer. He is our our, our, our stone of strength. He is, you know, um, he's a warrior. And so, you know, uh, that word ezer is not something of a milk toast. It really is a strength as well. And for us to succeed in life, we need to have a strength beside us. And uh, um, I, I just love that. So it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So moving along uh, the rock through our ages, um, what do we have to look forward to this week? Genesis 3, and this is uh, famously called the fall of mankind. Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, this is a, the, the serpent in the garden kind of deal. And mm -hmm. again, um, it's, it's interesting, what does Adam and Eve's mess up have to do with us? And according to scripture, that was the point that everything broke. That was the point that everything began to die. Mm -hmm. That was the point that, uh, that the story, uh, even from God's presence, we, they were shoved out of God's presence and uh, there was an alienation. You know, we were living on the outside of Eden and uh, boy, we have borne the fruit of that ever since. So, but there's so much meaning there, Brooks. I mean, there, there's, there's so much. It's the first promise of the gospel is in Genesis 3.15. And mm. I'm going to unpack that. I'm not going to say much more about that. But the, <laughs> it's the proto-uangalion uh, was what wow. theologians would call it. It's like the first, it, it's, the, uh, it's the first time we see the gospel promise. And it's, it, it's a bit obscure. It's a promise through a seed. Um, and... Uh, it's, it's an interesting reference between a woman and a snake and uh, a serpent, and uh, um, but it's so beautiful. So what we need to bore into this week, and I, and I cannot wait, is just to see how Jesus is portrayed in the garden as far as, as Adam represents us. How does Jesus represent us? And there's a promise there that one will come to make things right, and how do we see that in, in Jesus? And... Uh, and at the very end of the story, um, God is going to be so gracious. He's going to say, hey, guys, those fig leaves to cover up yourselves don't work. I'm going to make you some 
some skins. I'm going <laughs> to clothe you. And there's a sacrifice that needs to take place for them to be clothed. And mm-hmm. we're going to see the sacrifice that needs to take place for us to be clothed. So good stuff. Deep water, amazing opportunity for some some wonderfully deep biblical theology. What does Genesis 3 mean? Again, Brooks, you know, we're going to jump in and I cannot wait, but it's, it's, it's always daunting to know. I know there's going to be so much that just can't be said because of the time restraints, because mm-hmm. of the reality that, you know, you want to preach a, a coherent sermon in 30 minutes on Genesis 3 and uh, good luck because <laughs> there's so much stuff there. There's so many directions. You don't want to miss the main direction. You don't want to miss it. But a lot of people just look at it on the surface and they don't see the light of Christ come in. And if you don't see the light of Christ come in and where this points to him, you miss it. You mm-hmm. really, the story is so big and beautiful and grand. So Genesis 3 this week, um, in the seed of the woman, and it's, it's uh, wow, it's, it's, uh, it's some deep waters, beautiful waters, refreshing waters. So come and join us. And that's why we have this podcast is to recap it, go even farther, you know, take it hour, hour and a half, really dig deep. <laughs> yeah. But no, I look forward to it this Sunday and uh, transition into, it was our last homework assignment. Our last homework Chapter assignment. Chapter seven. That little guy, it's a great little book, isn't it? The it was, guy? it was great. And I, I really do hope that uh, those in KC Cornerland were able to uh, read and if not read, just, you know, kind of glean off what we read. Uh this last chapter is the feast of the Father, and uh, you know it's going to point to the the ultimate feast that we're headed toward, that we're speeding toward that wedding feast mm-hmm. when we will be there and we can behold the Lamb of God in person um, and the and our Savior who was slain for us, uh, but but lives and through His life we can live too. So. Let me, let me throw it back to you. What, what did you, you said use is one of your favorites. What did you, what did you think of this? I thought it, um, yeah, it was definitely one of my favorites. And I think it made things a little bit more tangible. Like I was talking about the material world um, and what salvation kind of means in everyday life. So I like the description they get, they gave of feeding ourselves the gospel every day to grow in faith. Um, so we don't go back into default mode. Uh, I forget who kind of de- term or used that term, but you know, going back into just, coasting along you know it was interesting i think he was talking about martin luther mm-hmm. and how we have a tendency to our, our default mold is kind of a religious mode and mm-hmm. a, a mode and not a gospel mode but you know when he talked about the material world um what i what i love about the story of the bible and the story of jesus is at the end when jesus is resurrected he um is in that upper room and it, it's they're they're bewildered i mean remember uh doubting thomas uh would say, hey, I'm not going to believe it. I wasn't here the first time that he mm-hmm. showed up until I can actually literally touch him, until I could see those nail prints. Uh, I, I can't believe. For Thomas, at the first part was seeing is believing. Mm-hmm. So Jesus graciously shows up and he says, okay, Thomas, here I am. Come on, come on and touch me. You know, And, and uh, so it was very important that Jesus was seen as a bodily resurrection. It was more than just a spiritual thing. It mm-hmm. was a bodily resurrection. Then he says something, it's, it, it seems on the surface of what, what, what happened there, but it's really profound. He asked to have something to eat. And there's a couple of scenes of the resurrected Jesus that eats. And the question is like, wow. Um, so in the next, in the life to come in this resurrection, 
there will be food. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't, it makes you start to wonder the scientific yeah. things like, what was a digestive process <laughs> like, you know? And so, uh, um, but I think the point of him eating is to show that the material world, um, you know, unlike, uh, you know, some of the uh, philosophers over the ages that would say the spirit is important and the, 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 uh, the material is, is not, it's bad. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, the, the, the material world is important, you know, and, and uh, there will be a bodily resurrection. You and I will have a bodily resurrection. That, mm-hmm. um, you know, our, our bodies are going to be glorified and uh, I don't know what it looks like. And, and by the way, a lot of people get confused. It's, it hasn't happened yet. It, mm-hmm. it hasn't. People say, you know, when someone passes away who may have an ailment, maybe they were unable to walk in this side of life. Like, hey, they're free and they're up there in heaven. They're running around. And I do know, I don't know heaven. I've never been there, but <laughs> I do know they're free. And I do know that there's there's a joy, but their bodies haven't been reunited to their souls yet um, until Christ returns. I, I know there's a mystery to that, but I know that the story says Jesus is like the first fruits of the resurrection. And it says, this is 1 Corinthians 15. And he's like, there's a harvest to come. He shows us the future. And the future is a resurrected body. But the point that Keller was making wasn't so much about our resurrected body. It was more of the materialistic world is important, that, that Jesus came to make all things new. He, he didn't come. There is going to be a new heaven and new earth. And I think it's going to look more like what we see around us right now. But when he did all those healings and he... He was setting people free, not just spiritually, but physically. He was showing us what the future would be like, is when there's going to be no sickness, nor sorrow. And, uh, um, you know, he says, let me read a quote here um, in this, salvation is material. The world is not simply a theater for individual conversion narratives to be discarded at the end when all go to heaven. No, the ultimate purpose of Jesus is not only individual salvation and pardon for sins, but also the renewal of this world. The end of disease, poverty, injustice, violence, suffering, and death. The climax of history is not a higher form of disembodied consciousness, but a feast. God made the world with all its colors, tastes, lights, sounds, with all its life forms living in interdependent systems. It is now marred, stained, and broken, and he will not rest until he puts it right. And so here here is the Christian gospel mandate to care for the world. Now, Christians oftentimes are the ones who are slow and make fun of maybe people who say that are liberal. Hey, you're, you're caring for Mother Earth. You know, you, the, so, uh, somebody could elevate Mother Earth to the most important. You got to take care of your mother. You've probably mm-hmm. seen that bumper sticker, you know, and I'm sure you probably have a similar reaction than I do. It's like you roll your eyes, like, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. But, you know, we could go to the other extreme, like we don't care about the Earth, um, but we should because the material world matters but even more importantly than taking care of creation is taking care of the poor Mm -hmm. and taking care of those in need and you know a lot of people think well if i take care of the poor the end result will be god will care for me he will love me i will be accepted um and that's religion Mm -hmm. but the gospel is no we take care of the poor because we have been we were the poor that Jesus has loved. We are that that one, that certain man that the good Samaritan, the ultimate good Samaritan Jesus has healed and cared for. So we care because Jesus cares. We care because we've been healed. And it's not to earn God's love. It's because we got it. And so the whole reason why we um, 
are to be showing mercy ministry reflects his his love so uh, that's I think he does a real good job with that as well. Mm-hmm. I think them saying or him saying that um, our body will be resurrected also makes it real and tangible too. You know, it, it kind of is abstract if it's just talking about the spirit or the soul like going up into heaven or anything. Yeah. But when knowing that you're going to have your body resurrected, you know, it makes it real. And like you said, anyone with ailments or physical, you know, things that are wrong with them, that they'll be healed in the new heaven and new earth. You know, Brooks, when I talk to people who were close. To glory, and we we don't know this, and it can be any one of us. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, when older people start realizing that their days are really greatly numbered, um, just because of time, you know, you start wondering more with more clarity, what will it be like? Mm-hmm. And I I think there's a sense of will it be boring because a disembodied spirit that just worships all day floating around somewhere, you know, it doesn't sound very exciting. Mm-hmm. But the God who created this world, and in this world, it says in Romans 8, is groaning for redemption. This world is itself groaning to be set free. And think of how amazing it is. Think about getting on the water and going fishing. Think <laughs> about being on the first tee. Think about being up in the mountains. Think about some of the vistas and the things we've seen. It's incredible. Incredible, and the God who created this world is going to make it all new, and He's going to make a place. I, I it's going to be unbelievable, mm-hmm. and so, and it helps me to picture how unbelievable it's going to be that we're going to have resurrected bodies. It's not going to be just the disembodied spirit that's up in heaven in the choir singing mm-hmm. for millennia, thinking, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, how many more stanzas do I have to sing of this song?" You know, so um, it's going to be awesome. And I don't know. I can't go beyond that. I don't know. Uh, what it will be like. Uh, but, you know, I think when Jesus shows us through the resurrection, the material world matters. So that was important. It can definitely put your mind in a pretzel when you try and think of eternity and <laughs> worshiping for eternity yeah. and everything. And it's, it's I know, true. I know in our Casey group last night, we were looking at um, the book and video series and the last one, the, the, the section is eternity and we're like just ending on a really easy one, oh you know, <laughs> that one should be really easy to comprehend. Like everyone kind of understands that one already. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I remember the thought of eternity was the one that scared me the most as a child is a child by God's grace that grew up knowing that Jesus loves me and knowing that heaven was a part of my story. I would think forever and ever and ever. And it was like, it was kind of like during the Lion King, when you say Mufasa, say Mufasa. Whoa. You know, you remember, remember the hyenas? They were just trembling at the name Mufasa, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, they would, they, they kind of liked to say it because they wanted that, that tremble, but they were fearful as anything. Yeah. I, I kind of loved the thought, okay, eternity, but it would make me literally tremble. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I was I like, heard- I agree. Yeah, do I do I want to live that long? I mean, is that is that, is that good? It's, it's a long time. It is a long time. I feel like I'll get bored of things. It's so true. Even the fact there's no need for sleep. Apparently, I'm like, I love sleep. You know, how can there be paradise without a good nap? And I don't. Know, maybe we'll have one. But you know, before we leave this, what I what I felt like what Keller did really well, and you you referenced it earlier, um, saying that we go into this default mode of religion, but the gospel. The good news of responding um, out of who we are in Christ and what he's done for us is not just our starting point. It is our continuing point and our end point. And th- those are more my words than his. He says it more eloquently than I do. But he says uh, this. He says, the gospel is therefore not just the ABCs of the Christian life, 
but the A to Z of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. Our problems arise largely because we don't continually return to the gospel to work it in and live it out. This is why Martin Luther wrote, the truth of the gospel is the principal article of all Christian doctrine. Most necessary it is that we know this article well, teach it to others, and beat it into their heads continually. <laughs> Man, there's a good image. we got to beat yep. the gospel into their heads continually. Because he's right. We do fall into a default mode. And mm -hmm. we do fall into a mode of, hey, I'm going to do this myself. And instead of realizing that we have a father who ran to us prodigals, whether we're the righteous older brother, self-righteous older brother that he goes out to, or the, you know, this, the uh, selfish younger brother who lavishes, he does it all just for himself. Our God comes to both of us and, you know, he invites us into this feast. And I just hope uh, that everybody in, in Casey Cornerland, um, that you've tasted um, uh, what the feast is going to be like. And we are left with a meal of the Lord's Supper. We can start to taste in God's goodness and it's transforming. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's more to come. So drink deeply of the gospel, my brothers and sisters. Uh, God's grace and love is that amazing. And I, that's what I love about the prodigal God. It just is going to be about the incredible lavish love of a God who's prodigal. Remember where we started, Brooks? What does the word prodigal mean? It's 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 a spendthrift. Mm -hmm. It's it's one who recklessly spends, you know, and that's that reckless spending is the reckless spending of God's love mm -hmm. that he would send his son for us. That reckless love that he's gonna love us come hell or high water yep. is not going to let us go it's not just calculated love give a little bit here you know when you're doing good or anything you know when you think reckless love it's just no matter what no matter the terrible things we do um we'll always be loved man that's good brooks because i like that word calculated love and how much do we love that way mm -hmm. you know it seems like if we have a calculated love maybe we can minimize the hurt and maybe maximize the gain um, mm -hmm. but you know, but no, he wants us to love him in response with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why? Because he's a prodigal God. That's right. That's right. And then, uh, so we talked about it a little bit in this episode, but obviously KC groups have started up this past week. Um, yeah. The group you're leading, the 30, 30 year olds, uh, what's that, Sunday night? That Sunday nights, we're going to have one. We're going to have a Fiesta Friday this Friday, <laughs> uh, just realizing that, you know, um, we won't be able to meet every Sunday night, and we're trying to get our eight episodes in before Advent. <laughs> so uh, we thought, hey, what a good reason to have a good party on Friday. So we're going to have uh, this Friday, uh, Fiesta Friday for the 30-somethings. Love that. More are jumping in this Friday, which is great. So if you're a 30-something or a 30-something wannabe, come join us uh, <laughs> this Friday night. Um, and I love seeing the fact you guys had a great group here last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, you, yeah. Got, you got a dozen. Bunch of newbies. Very, and a couple newbies, which was great. It was great seeing them. And 12 is a really good number. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's something about um, your your house when you have 12 people in their 20s in it. It's like, oh, man, it's, it's a fun place. We bring to the be. energy. Yeah, it's a fun <laughs> place to be. It really, really is. It's awesome. So our Casey groups have jumped, uh, have started, but there's room for you to jump in. Um, uh, the Myers are doing the 40 plus one, which 
I think I love the name of that because there's a lot of people that are nowhere near their 40s that might be <laughs> that, that yeah. jumping in there and say, yeah, I'm 40, whatever. Yeah, close enough. Exactly. Um, and as I say that, I'm realizing that's a slam on me. But anyway, uh, and um, this upcoming Sunday, Brooks, big Sunday for us. Uh, we, by the way, have a board meeting after church, so you can we pray for that in KC Cornerland. But then at 2 p.m., we have our first work day with our board. Uh, beloved host of the Orlando Central Korean Church. Um, we can meet with them in 2 p.m. Uh, they literally said, bring some muscle. So that's this Sunday. Um, so save some energy for that. That would be great. <laughs> Have a nice light lunch after church. Exactly. You know, don't, exactly. Don't do go home, overdo it. Don't go get your stuff on and your work <laughs> stuff. But And then and the next big thing is, is that, hey, for those of you who are listening and live in the Orlando area, we would love for you to know more about uh, King's Chapel. If you haven't joined, um, we're going to do our Casey Family Connection a week from Friday. Um, so that's going to be the 2nd of October. Does it feel a little cooler outside? Oh, yeah. It looks a little awesome. crisp in the air, a little awesome. 83 degrees. I know. <laughs> we get excited at 83. It's incredible. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Casey Family Connection is an opportunity for folks who are interested in membership or more about King's Chapel to hear it's dinner at our house at 6 p.m. on the 2nd, and then we follow that up with a lunch after church on the 4th of October, and they'll join on the 11th for those who, who feel God's call to move forward. So that's kind of what's going on. Get some new members. It'll be awesome. <laughs> we, got a, we got a good group signed up. Well, that's all I got. That's all I got. We'll see you guys Sunday. All right. Work Blessings, day. Bring everybody. your muscle. You know, I haven't said it in a while, but remember, there's always room in the corner for you. Always. People have forgot. That's right. <laughs>